believe every person has a right to basic knowledge of how to optimize their mind, body, and spirit. Here, I bring to you influential individuals and ideas to help you live a more healthy, fulfilling life. I'm Julie Fouché, and I'd like to welcome you to Pursuing Health. Welcome back to episode number 17 of Pursuing Health. In this episode, I sit down with the Starrett Super Couple to discuss their nonprofit organization, Stand Up Kids. Juliet and Kelly Starrett each have very impressive athletic backgrounds. Juliet won two world championships and five national titles on the U.S. Women's Extreme Whitewater Team, and Kelly also paddled Whitewater Slalom Canoe on the U.S. Canoe and Kayak Teams. Their love of paddling in the outdoors brought them together, and they've taken the world by storm ever since. Kelly and Juliet founded San Francisco CrossFit in 2005. At that time, Juliet was working as an attorney, but she ran the business side of the gym. And Kelly also ran his physical therapy practice there. Kelly developed his CrossFit movement and mobility course and began to teach it all over the world. Together, they eventually founded MobilityWad.com as a way to bring education to people all over the world about movement and body maintenance. Kelly has consulted and worked with the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, professional soccer teams, major university athletic programs, as well as all branches of the military. His book, Becoming a Supple Leopard, was published in 2013 and became a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. His second book, Ready to Run, was released in 2014, also making the New York Times bestseller list. Kelly and Juliet have been using and talking about standing desks for years, but it wasn't until observing their children's elementary school that they realized the potential impact that standing desks could have. In April of 2015, they officially launched StandUpKids.org, a nonprofit and educational platform with a goal of bringing standing desks to all public school children in the U.S. Before we dive into this fascinating conversation, let's review a couple of reminders. Number one, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and give it a rating. Number two, you can head over to my website, juliefouché.com, and subscribe there to stay in the loop with the podcast and everything else I'm doing with my newsletter every two weeks. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me your story at info at juliefouché.com. If you're interested in training with me, check out my program through Beyond the Whiteboard. This is the actual training that I do now, five days per week, one hour per day, scheduled out for you minute by minute from warm up to cool down. For more info or to try out the program yourself, visit beyondthewhiteboard.com slash juliefouché or listen to podcast episode number 12. So with that, let's get started here on Pursuing Health with episode number 17 with Juliet and Kelly Starrett. So I am here with Kelly Starrett and Juliet Starrett, and I'm really excited to talk about some of the things that you guys are working on now. But just to give a little bit of background, why don't you talk first about your own athletic backgrounds and then how you got to what you're doing today? Oh, In the short Cliff Notes version, please. <laughs> Kelly's a football player. <laughs> he loves it when I say that. The, the actually, it's a it's a good 
way to come into this because uh, Juliet and I met at the World Championships for whitewater paddling. She was on the U.S. women's team and I was on the U.S. men's team. We were in Chile. We had The women had just pulled over to scout a really big, scary, terrifying rapid, and the men didn't need to scout because we had scouted like three miles up. And because the they're room. men. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, the, and they're the, totally awesome. <laughs> the short story is that we got chundered, like offline and just brutally chundered. And Juliet came down and rescued me. She literally pulled me out of the oh. water. Yes, him and his that. $250 paddle. <laughs> or a $500 paddle or whatever. He whatever. saves the paddle too? She yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, wow. of course. Juliet's such a baller. And from that moment on, I was like, it's love. <laughs> but I think what, what, you know, Juliet and I had a significant history running rivers and being raft guides okay. and river guides and wilderness guides. And I think that, um, you know, kind of leads us to how we got here today about taking risk and being responsible for big groups. And, you know, we have been doing this a long time. You know, I started, I started off originally in high school as a rower. Okay. So I did that in high school, two years in college, and then I switched to all river stuff. So that's how I spent 10 years of my life was on rivers. Wow. And Kelly did actually play football. And he was I recruited. Yeah, he was recruited to play at CU for football, huh. which he doesn't like to tell anybody. Um, <laughs> and then was, all the secrets I, are coming out. Because I was small and slow. He was small and slow. And uh, he showed up, and I think he got to practice or pre-practice or whatever before school started. And he was like, these are not my people. <laughs> and I am small and slow. Um, and back then, when I met him, he weighed 185 pounds and probably even less when you started and whatever, he was small and slow, so he never actually played no, football. No, I, I was like 205 in high school. But when I met you, I was already the biggest guy in the World Cup in, in slalom, and I was 185. 187. 187. Wow. That's a big yeah. difference. And how much do you weigh now? 238. Thank you, CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> but I will also add, to actually answer your question, um, we started a nonprofit 12 years ago called Liquid. Oh. Um, so we have kind of a history of wanting to like do things with kids, but mm -hmm. it was, um, we took kids with HIV and AIDS on kayaking, like a week long kayaking camp. Okay. It's like an embodied um, leadership school. And what's super cool about it is there actually became a point because the medications and the mother to child transmission rate went down so much. It actually became like really hard for us to find kids to attend our camp. Wow. Um, well that means you're yeah. doing a good job. Yeah. So when we started, it was like the kids were super sick uh -huh. and you know, we, we had, had and kids died in between we had kids died and like, you know, we'd have to wake them up in the middle of the night and we had a physician on on our staff, but he would, you know, be administering medications all mm -hmm. night long. And then towards the end, it's like these kids were showed up and, you know, they were like jacked and playing high school sports and were not sick at all. And so just in that 10 year period, we did that. It was really amazing what happened in the medical world mm -hmm. in terms of medications for kids that already had H were already HIV positive. And then it really became hard for us to find kids because the mother child transmission rate has gone down to like way less than 1% or something. So it and was super cool that, that it was, a, it ended for a really cool reason. And that was That's the nascent, awesome. I think, one of the one of the first times we applied. We're like, hey, we're on to something here. Like the psychoneuroimmunology, which is the mm -hmm. field of really the interface between like pumping up serotonin and norepinephrine, like the whole system. Mm -hmm. right? Get some vitamin D, get scared. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and our kids were having really good blood tests. And it was interesting. You know, we were like, hey, this river community, this this thing is really powerful to us. And we knew sort of about the science and, you know, and, and you know, we had this experience and it was the first time I think where we said, hey, okay, let's take the principles that we're using at this highest level mm -hmm. of sports performance, hey, this community, this thing, and let's apply it across cohort. And that really, you know, uh, as a nascent model, it really is what we just continue to do today with, you know, stand-up kids. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about stand-up kids. So obviously you have addressed a lot of needs with Mobility Wad across the board, right? But, um, and, and, 
over the last few years, standing desks are becoming commonplace in or common in the workplace. But what what first interested you in addressing this in schools or addressing this with kids? Well, I'll tell you, we were actually kind of embarrassed that it occurred to us. Um, <laughs> it started when we were volunteering at Georgia's Field Day, and we always volunteer at the sack race for whatever reason we think it's cool. Mm-hmm. And um, Hip extension, triple yeah, extension. Yeah, and triple extension. <laughs> and we noticed that a lot of the kids at our kids' elementary school literally lacked the range of motion to put their get their foot into the sack. Wow. And then also really couldn't jump Lunch effectively. Test. They couldn't really jump effectively in the sack. Hmm. And we would try to make the sack race difficult. Like you had to do a forward roll midway through and like wow. most of the kids couldn't do a forward roll. And um, we just saw we yeah. are we saw in you know in at all ages as low as first grade and this is not a group of kids who are soup. You know, there's not a lot of obesity where we live. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like, "What is? What's the? What's going on here?" And, and let me, before we go on, let me piggyback that when we were working on Ready to Run, we noticed that Georgia's class, and Georgia was in the first grade at the time, and one of the things we noticed was that all the kids came in running beautifully. They ran ball of the foot, mm-hmm. mechanically perfect. They looked like wow. Usain, Usain Bolt, right? And then they all ha- just sprint for the playground without warming and they up. Pull. They just run. Like they you pull. Can't, you, it's it's miraculous. Halfway through the first grade, half the kids start heel striking. Huh. And we're literally we're like, uh, uh. Like the kids, the kids come home from Christmas break and ask for heel striking for Christmas. Look, <laughs> you know, they were bad and they got heel striking. So you know, we see we have both of these <clears throat> phenomena we've witnessed. Where we're like, wow, what's going on with these kids? And then it occurred to us because we had been like lecturing at Google and mm-hmm. and talking to a lot of big corporations about the problems of sedentariness and the, and the mechanical problems inherent with sitting. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we literally were, were like, oh, you know what? I can't believe it's taken us this long to realize that we're, if we're going to get ahead of this, we have to start earlier. Right. You know, early education. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, this like is, you've heard we were it, like, you know, oh, yeah, we're, we're so stupid. You've heard the phrase, you know, it's like a buzzword, sitting is the new smoking. Right. All and, right. you know, obviously the way that we've reduced smoking in this country is to obviously try to, you know, help adults stop smoking. But the big campaign is to try to get people to stop doing it before they become addicted. And right. so that's kids. And we were like, oh, <laughs> you know. Best defense, no yeah, be there. How did this <laughs> not occur to us? Like, we were actually kind of embarrassed well, and, when and we really, realized. This is the crux of public health. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're really. So it, it, the the short of it is that it, it occurred to us. We, you know, went to the principal. We, we you should have seen, Juliet is an attorney, little mm-hmm. known fact. And she was also won the award at her school for like best litigator, best <laughs> arguer or arguments. And we were like, okay, we're going to crush. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I seriously, like I went to this meeting with the principal and I was like, I'm going to have these PowerPoints ready and I'm going to be preparing my Supreme court argument. Right. Like I'm going to come telling, I'm going to explain to this lady, like this is why we need to switch to standing desk. And we said like four sentences and I had like 500 things, other things prepared to say. Mm-hmm. And after like four sentences, she's like, I'm in great idea. <laughs> That was easy. (laughs) The other thing that happened, I have to just interject, is after we saw this at our kids' school, I started doing some research, and I found this rudimentary calorie counter for it's it was for adults not for kids okay but I calculated for myself that if I switched from sitting to standing just five days a work week eight hours a day Mm -hmm. that I would burn an additional 90,000 calories a year wow um and then I went back and I was like well I wonder how many calories I'd burn as a 40 year old woman running a marathon and it was like an average of 3,300 calories and I was like holy shit I could either run 33 marathons or I could just stand at my desk for eight hours a day. And I'm like, honestly, I'd rather just stand at my desk. You know, and I don't really have a typical office job, but it was really like, I posted on Facebook. I was like, I can't believe this. I figured, you know, I couldn't believe it. And I, and that was a, se- a second point where I was like, okay, well, 
maybe kids aren't burning as many calories, but they've got to be burning more mm-hmm. standing versus sitting. And that was really the first light bulb for me where I was like, hey, maybe this actually could have an impact on childhood obesity. And if you if you go in and look at the research now, because we went in saying, hey, let's we could collect some qualitative data. Like, we don't want to do the research because that's not who we are, no right. researchers. But it turns out there are researchers that we've become friends with mm-hmm. in this process, and the data is really good. And it turns out that kids who are normal size, average body size, can burn an additional 17 to 20% more calories a day at a desk. Wow. 17 to 20%. Stand, a standing desk. Kids who are high body mass index and are obese, up towards of 30%. Or wow. 30, even 35%. So go ahead and try to pull out the number of calories out of some kid's diet. Just try to do that. I mean, does it work? Ask the Obama administration. How's that going for you? How's <laughs> the war on childhood obesity? Try. Right. NFL's play 60. And I think what we're looking at we're doing it wrong. It's, we're, it's all this reductionist and said, what do we change about the, the infrastructure? Mm-hmm. And what, when we, what we saw was that it took this, the older kids, our fourth graders, it took them about two weeks where they were like, they were like, oh, I'm kind of tired. And we're like, yeah, you're weak. Right. <laughs> you know, you can't. Right. You know? Sitting. And it's, it's important to us because people are, the, the one hang up people have is they're like, well, you know, I don't think it's good that they're standing. And we're like, we're, they're not soldiers <laughs> or cashiers. Right. The desk actually has a bar at the bottom that pivots. Okay. And it's adjusted to their height. So oh, each okay. desk fits a kid individually, which is remarkable. And when you see the disparity between the high desk and low desk, you're like, holy crap. There are literally kids in Georgia's class, fourth grade. There's some girls that are five foot six, mm-hmm. and there are boys who are literally four foot one, and they're all wow. in fourth grade. And so when you go now, after we've, we've gotten used to these desks that are like perfectly adjusted for kids, and we go into these sitting classrooms, it actually looks ridiculous. Like there's a kid at our fifth grade, in our fifth grade class last year, six feet tall. Wow. And then he's in there with literally kids who are like low fours and they're all sit, you know, he's literally crammed. I mean, it looks, ho- I mean, after you see it and look at it from that perspective, it's embarrassing. So we wow. came out, you know, when we started doing the research, the physiology was clear, the impacts on, you know, cortisol, engagement, all, all of that. We came at it clearly from our, our well, you know, wheelhouse, which is orthopedics. Mm-hmm. Show me. Make the case for sitting. Like, you can't stabilize the spine effectively. You can't be, be organized. If you look and, you know, kids are slouching. But the, the point is that you walk in any classroom and let's look at the spines and just tell me that's okay. And especially since we started to pull in the brain science of skill acquisition. Mm-hmm. We know that practice makes per- permanent. Yeah. Right? And so the way we do one thing is we do everything. So if you start to map this pattern in your brain, those oligodendrocytes come in. Remember that? Right? Vaguely. Schwann cells. <laughs> yeah. And you, ba- you basically see myelination through those those pathways, and those become default pathways. And for the rest of us, what you're saying is practice makes permanent. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the you're po- saying the that point in a scientific is in the, way. in the brain, there's a biologic process that happens where the, we, we, we codify and make permanent the changes of patterns. And people don't understand that. So, you know, Mo is over there, bent over looking at his phone <laughs> with a 90 degree in his head. And, and the, the problem is that this is a learned position and very difficult right. to break. You know, so one of the cool things about all this, besides the side added benefit of increased engagement is what the research says, increased you know, And it's not just usage. a little bit. Like the, the research is showing that there's something like 12% more engagement, which is like seven minutes per hour or 45 minutes to an hour a day. So, I mean, if you start to add that up over a whole school year, it's That's huge. It's actually, a a, it's a lot of time of kids actually learning as opposed to just, you know, punching their yeah. neighbor or whatever they're doing. You don't, you don't get the postprandial narcolepsy when you come in after lunch and you're like, falling asleep. Fall asleep. Yeah. It's interesting that kids have said like, a, they, they don't, you know, they don't, they have their own vocabulary to describe what they like about it. But some of the kids are like, yeah, I just, you know, 
I just don't talk all the time anymore. And other kids <laughs> say like, I don't know why. I just feel happier. And it's really wow. funny to hear from the kids, you know, from, from their, their perspective. perspective yeah. And then, you know, on the orthopedics thing, there's one interesting story. Our first grade teacher who got the standing desk last January went to this handwriting um, see this, I don't know, it was like handwriting specialist or something. She's an occupational therapist. Yeah, and um, and she had all the teachers there sitting and basically was trying to prove the point that in, in a sitting desk, it's literally impossible for kids to have good handwriting. Hmm. And she she said, look. Proximal stability, distal yeah, mobility, right? Yeah, they, it, they're like, she's literally like, it's impossible. And, you know, sort of throughout, like, you know, kids actually, or kids and adults can actually write with better handwriting standing up. And our first grade teachers would be like, my, she was so excited to like raise her hand and be like, my kids all stand up. And, um, and, and the, the OT was shocked. She was like, Oh my God, I can't, she was like, this is amazing. Tell me more. Like I, this is the first I've ever heard of this. And kids, you know, the modern classroom is set up and it's in rows. It's not very conformable. Mm -hmm. So we put casters on the desk. They can be reconfigured. And so the room becomes very dynamic. Kids make circles. They push all the desks aside. They have this playroom, mm -hmm. this organizing, they re reconfigure. There's no Sounds front like of the fun. classroom. It is. It's fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. And, um, you know, out of that also is that kids, you know, w teachers are working in about 15-minute blocks. So mm -hmm. kids really stand only about 15 minutes in a chunk at a time. And at any time, kids can sit on the floor. So oh. it's not like they're stuck. And so what you've done is what Juliet calls a movement-rich environment. Mm. And so TM. what you see is <laughs> you see in poverty, because if you sit, there are very few movement options. But right. as soon as you stand, you put one foot up, you can put the other foot up, you can sit on the ground. And even just that range of motion is a right. radical change. So fast forward, we have a few classrooms. So yeah, so this started at your kid's school, and now and you started with a just a couple of classrooms. One classroom. We started with one classroom, okay. and then um, last August, and then we went up. We added on three more classrooms, so the entire fourth grade, and then one first grade. Okay. What's interesting about the first graders is they, uh, you know, we put five stools in every class, so even though there's 20 to 25 kids, you know, mm -hmm. the, there are these stools if they feel like they need to use them. Um, the first graders really never went for the stools, mm -hmm. um, which we, again, not science, but our conclusion was that they haven't, they hadn't become as accustomed to sitting all the time. Right. So it was easier for them. You know, they had been in preschool pretty recently. It was easier for the first graders to just switch right to a standing desk. And so you need know, to walk right in and they'd just be standing there and they were fine. If you look at the technology coming in, you know, one of the problems that the classroom, the, the, the school district was probably trying to solve was how do we get kids individualized around the keyboard and mousing and the ergonomics? Right. But it turns out that's not the problem. The, the tech isn't the problem. The problem is us. And so if you make the environment fit us, then all of a sudden kids are in a, what we call a blocked position. So, for example, when we teach burpees to people and we don't want their feet to collapse, right, we say, put your feet together. So you have to have your feet together, burpee. And that automatically protects your ankles, blocks you, you can't see the knee wobbliness. And so if you put kids at a stand-up desk, all of a sudden they're, they're inoculated from tech snack and bad position because you can't do it. You can't right. slouch. And, and, and that's important lean. because tech's not going away. That you see them, they lean on the desk, but it's interesting because they're they're in a pretty neutral spinal position when they're leaning. But you know, it's like right when they sit down, it's that C broken shape. It's the rainbows. dreaded broken rainbow. So we met up with this really great organization called Donors Choose, okay. and Donors Choose is basically a crowdsourcing innovation, a revolution in how to fund schools. And then basically any teacher can propose a project on Donors Choose, and it can be very specific. I need these six paintbrushes, I need this book, I need this maker bot. And then a person can go in, or someone can f go in and fund the, the project, and 100% the, of the proceeds literally go to that, and you can also donate a little bit more onto uh, Donors Choose to okay. support the network. They are in 70% of the lower income schools in America, and they saw that this was a real disruptive way. And they had also seen classrooms that hadn't been funded for stand-up tests. 
know, people, oh. teachers were like, we want this, but people were like, yeah, it's more important that you have pencils. Yeah, you know, screw the little wow. kids. Well, and that, that really sort of has, has turned out to be true. There is, um, and our, our principal was sort of an example of this, but in our experience so far, educators are really excited about this and they're mm-hmm. ready for something different. You know, they have kids that are squirming and not paying attention and they're ready for a, like an alternative mm-hmm. to the classic you know, classroom design. Um, so I, when I, again, when I first started this, I thought, oh, you know, I'm really going to have to convince all these teachers and educators right. that this is a good idea. Well, that has turned out not to be the problem at all. Educators are like on board. They want this, like there is way more demand than already than we have funding for. Um, so really the challenge has been, and will be, I think for us is convincing funders, because I think the issue with some funders is they think, oh, well, it's public school because this is all for public schools. Right. And you know, the perception is, well, public schools don't even have pencils. You know, they're so bad off that, mm-hmm. like, a standing desk is a frivolous expense in their minds. Right. And we really feel like it's our job to start to explain to funders that, you know, actually this whole physical inactivity thing is a public health crisis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is really, you know, at $250 a desk and hopefully less moving forward, it's a really simple intervention that can make a huge difference for kids. So, and you know, we, it, we, but that's a process. Yeah. Right. And what's great is that this was driven by the educators. So one educator at a time, eventually the whole, every teacher in the school was like, us next. So they voted for it. We went to Donors Choose, proposed the project. It's the single biggest project in Donors Choose history. Wow. And we funded the school. And now our daughter, this August, will be at the first all-standing school in the world. That we had incredible. something like... 850 donors on Donors Choose. I mean, it was by far the largest number of donors that have ever donated to a single project. And we raised $110,000. So August 17th, 350 deaths are showing up at our kids' school, and every kid there will be standing. That is amazing. Shameless plug. We asked our friends to get involved. Some amazing people got involved. Mm -hmm. Killcliffe ponied up. Love those guys. Um, Tim Ferriss said, hey, I'm involved put his money where his mouth was, mm-hmm. talked about it, actually made a personal donation to it. And we really feel like, you know, this is us actually doing what we say we're doing because our business is about taking what we think are the best concepts of sport and high performance and trying to spin in those essence back to things that actually matter. Right. You know, like let's take what we're learning from the CrossFit Games and apply it to my kids and to this, this Olympian and this injured person and, and – if we really are true to that model, then if we don't take this idea and then scale it backwards, then we're, you know, th- all of this is just s- circus, you right. know, <laughs> like right. let's just, you know, we'll break people and throw their bodies to the lions, but we're really proud of this. And I will point out that Juliet's work on standupkids.org, the actual website itself mm-hmm. is profound. The website is my, f- it's our, like, the best thing we've done so far. We, even though it's Juliet's <laughs> baby, the number of PDFs and, infographics on there it's really a resource we, w- we want to try to clear the way and create a template for people to be able to do this in their own communities it's really it's amazing that is amazing and i hope that it will continue and people will start to follow in your footsteps and we'll see more schools doing this where do you think the funding is going to come from do you think that 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 we can find enough funding through public schools or do you think it's going to have to come from outside donors or communities supporting the schools in their area? I think it's all the above. I mean, I think our next big, now that we've gotten this pilot school funded, our next big focus is to try to get long-term 
corporate sponsors, okay. high net worth individuals. And I think no matter what, it's always going to have to be, because we've partnered with Donors Choose, it's always going to be, crowd, every project is going to be crowdfunded. Mm-hmm. But our real goal is to try to raise a million dollar matching grant so that every time a standing desk project gets posted, 50% of it is automatically funded through our, from our matching grant. When I think the matching grant will mostly come from corporate donors. Okay. Um, so we want to try to chunk out, you know, some bigger donations from corporations who see, you know, the long-term worth of this. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, eventually my hope is that the federal government is going to take notice. Um, you know, cause at a minimum, whenever they build a new school, right. we think that that should just be the default of standing desks. Um, but you know, I mean, there, there's still money going into public schools and, you know, for example, our district standing desks won't be covered for this, but we just passed this huge bond to do all these infrastru- infrastructure upgrades at all the local schools because they're all were built in the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. And I hope when those kinds of things happen at schools, that's another opportunity for some of those funds to go into standing desks. So, you know, I think it's going to have to come from a variety of sources. Right. Um, and we we see really our role as educating donor. I mean, you know, more than anything else, we, we now see our role as educating donors mm-hmm. and funders and trying to get as many corporate high net worth individuals on board and backing this. And so this is really, I think, a good example of communitarianism. Mm-hmm. You know, let's solve the community. It's uh, You can crowdsource this quickly and Easily, solve the community yeah. from without. And the number of problems we're putting off, I personally think that this is the number one cause of the root source of all the ACL dysfunction we see in, mm-hmm. in female athletes because you can't, you know, per- speaking personally, our oldest daughter, Georgia, we just watched her starting twist and twist and twist and twist, and uh, we'd work on her, and mm-hmm. she'd work on the, you know, I took her to see a rolfer, and then as soon as she stopped sitting, she started to untwist. I mean, it was horrible. Like, she started walking like a duck and, like, became valgus, and we were wow. just like, ah! You know, and I think that's related 100% to the that, that sitting posture. So, you know, if we just evaluate the, the success and the merits of this thing based solely on... Is this a good position or a bad position? That's clear. I mean, I think. You know, I mean, plus right. plus the physiology, plus the research. So there's so many things that that can be prevented just from this one. One. Well, you know, if we take a real crack at sedentariness, mm-hmm. you know, this is really you know people don't realize how much sitting time they're aggregating in the course of the day. Right. And the research is that kids, independent of socioeconomic class, back me up, Jay. What nine to eleven hours on the screen? It's seven, and Kaiser did this huge study. It's mm-hmm. seven and a half hours a day on average screen time. Wow. So if you add that to school, that's so that's not at school. Cause not at the, school. Either. No, so wow. that's like, you know, f- school's four to six hours, seven and a half hours on a screen. I mean, that's, you know, one of the only other sort of question we've gotten from parents or criticism has been like, well, I sat in the 70s or in the <laughs> 80s and 90s, and I'm fine. Right. Um, no, you're not. That's I'm one of those fine. things, like, people say with nutrition – one, they don't realize yeah. how bad they're feeling until they right. start to eat well and feel good again. It's probably right. the same thing with Yeah, standing. it is. And it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, but, you know, when, when at least when I grew up, it was like the only time I sat was at school. And I never sat at any other time except for, for meals. And now, you know, kids are sitting and there's, you know, there's also a lot of other things. Kids don't walk to school anymore. Mm-hmm. There's They're assigned way more homework than they were when we were kids. So there's just like, you know, it's aggregated. Not walking, sitting all the time, screen time, so much homework kids being driven everywhere they go it's like you know they're just it's a huge deal I mean we estimate kids are sitting 85% of their day you know the Australia did this huge comprehensive study that said that your chance of dying by any cause is significantly increased like seven like 50 to 75% if you sit more than six hours a day and that's actually really hard I've tracked my own sitting you know and I have a standing desk obviously I don't have a normal desk job anymore so I'm moving around all the time but even still, it's like we have a 30-minute to-from-work commute, so that's an hour. Mm-hmm. We actually do sit while we eat meals. Mm-hmm. That's like 
combined an hour, hour and a half or whatever. And it's actually, you know, it's, I mean, you should, you should try it sometime. And I know you're in school too. So that makes it even worse, but it actually is hard even for like the most, because we're so focused on sitting culture, it's actually hard not to sit less than six hours a day there's this unless you're so focused on it and, right? the, and those of the people who are listening who have boys there's this element that they need to listen to there's a great book called Ra- Raising Cain mm-hmm. that's looking at the educational disparities and differences in, in achievement between boys and girls and boys are getting their butts kicked by girls right now really it's partly because boys have a larger genetic drive and to like, move sorry to interrupt but like in every statistic like test scores graduation rates college admissions, college graduations. I mean, like girls are just crushing, it's which is co- it's awesome. Compounding. Which is awesome on some level. Right, of on some level, but yeah. I have daughters, it's fun. <laughs> but what we're, what we're finding out is that, you know, books like uh, David Epstein's The Sports Gene, mm-hmm. it turns out there's a large genetic component and genetic drive to move. And what's happening is that kids aren't getting to be able to express that and the boys act out, get in trouble, bad reinforcement starts starts mm-hmm. to happen. You know, there was... um. We had a, a, you know, as we delve into the, the scary realm of ADD and ADHD mm-hmm. related issues, we had a, a young family that came to us and said, hey, we're really concerned about this because we have trained for the last eight years, trained our daughter to be able to sit at a desk and focus. And she is diagnosed ADD, ADHD and ADD. And she, they were like, we're just really concerned that this same thing. And uh, we're like, great. If it doesn't work out, she can sit down. And lo and behold, you know, she did. She thrived in the in wow. the program. Likes well, the desk, and a bunch of a bunch of new research just came out that kids with ADHD literally can't learn unless they're in motion. Um, and this is not like they can't. They don't need to be running. I mean, it can be these little micro movements, mm-hmm. but literally their brain does not turn on unless they're moving a little bit. So like. It's like death for a kid like that to force them to sit still. Right. You know, they just, they literally can't function. You're, you're just not designed. You're not designed to be static. So it's important that people are understanding. We're not saying that standing still is the answer. Standing is a gateway to more movement. More movement. And, and if you can fidget and put your foot up, like right now I'm kind of fidgeting. I'm, I'm putting my leg. <laughs> I'm fidgeting. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's, that's really what's happening. And this is such yeah. an elegant, hardwired solution. You don't have to believe in it. It believes in you. You don't have to mm-hmm. buy into some system. Better engagement, calories burned. I mean, Whatever is important well, to you. And, of course, we care about nutrition and exercise. I mean, right, of course. I, you know, we're not saying throw those those out and that standing desks. Or, you know, you can't eat 10,000 calories a day, never exercise, and just think you're going to be skinny and fit if you right. sit at a standing desk. I mean, that's not Whatever. what we're Whatever. You, you have abs. That's not true. <laughs> I try to exercise sometimes. Um, but, you know, that's so I think. Guys exercise. <laughs> a few times. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, people are like, well, what about nutrition and exercise? Right. And we're sort of like, yeah, of course. Like, it's got to be all those things. And we certainly are never going to say that, like, standing desks are the end all be all but we do think they're really simple really easy to implement really easy to control because right. it's really hard to control people's diet and hard to control how much or if they exercise Absolutely. and it's it's not hard to control whether your kid goes to school and stands at a standing desk one right. of my favorite pieces of research uh, from dr mark bendon mm-hmm. texas a&m who's done a lot of good longitudinal research about following 500 kids and and, and mm-hmm. his work is really some of the seminal work here and he said hey kelly do you know what the number one design implication and thought is about making uh, chairs for kids at school I'm like what and he's like do they stack for the janitors wow and when you're like oh. that's the only consideration wow. and you're like oh oh that's you know it's not they're not even <laughs> yeah. like the Herman Miller Aeron chair which is like scientifically designed to be perfect for your body I mean yeah. these chairs are literally like can they stack and be easily moved around by the janitor wow. that yeah. is incredible <laughs> wow it's, it's sort of like you're like and once you see this uh-huh. you know um uh Caroline's teacher in the first grade, she's like, look, you just have to see it. 
we had some some camera crews come out from schools and uh, literally the guy's like so so did you prep them and they're like no they're like this and the kids just work <laughs> and they move around and quiet and he's like this is that this is, is revolution and and it works it just works that is awesome and if in your adult this is crucial to understand takeaway takeaway it's not a standing station and have a place to put your foot <laughs> so if you've ever there are these places Julie I don't know if you've ever heard of them they're called bars like pubs. Oh, really? And at the bottom of the pub. Never been to one. She's right? been in medical school. She hasn't <laughs> had a chance. That's right. There's this thing called the bar, right? Okay. The rail. Right. You put your foot up on the rail. It's actually called a bar, not a rail. No, it's the rail at a bar. Okay. So right. there's a rail at the bottom of the bar, right? And it turns out that even bartenders figured this out. That people came in and stand around. You can test this yourself. Mm-hmm. Do some bunch of deadlifts mm-hmm. and then go to a bar and stand around. You'd be like, oh, my back hurts. This beer isn't right. very good. Right. You know, that girl's not very cute. <laughs> put your foot up. Shing, and you can be like, dude, let's stay here. Yeah, I can really stand here for like eight so hours. That girl's so, so that's hot. That's a secret. I actually did not know that. I've been, I've used a standing desk for quite a while. I have one at home, um, and played around with different setups, but I have not done that. So what ends up happening? Yeah, and people it doesn't stand. need to be fancy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it could be like an Amazon box or right. two. I mean, you know, just something to get your foot up and be able to be able to alternate one foot up. Takes all the down. extension. Or, takes all the extension yeah. load. That's why we yeah. split jerk. Right. Right. So as soon as you take that extension load up, I mean, mm-hmm. the Captain Morgan pose is a meme, mm-hmm. but it's he's right. Wow. <laughs> you, know, you don't you don't have to flex per se or do whatever he's you doing. You can if you want. To. You can't. Well, that's optional. But it turns out it's not a standing station to have a place to put your foot, and that's that's what's crucial because once people do that, they're like, wow, I can really stand here all day. Wow. So. Obviously, that's something that is easy. Kids can do at school. I want to go over maybe a few tips for parents, too, just at home. What? How do you address at home your kids' mobility or things that you can do to help prevent bad habits from happening early on? Easy thing. Limit sitting. So we have a we have a great Russian coach at our gym mm-hmm. who is very severe in her methodologies okay and she was like sitting is bit <laughs> so she got rid of her couch and i was like you know <laughs> it's a little extreme that's a little extreme, extreme. yeah like we <laughs> still want to be part of like a civilized culture <laughs> and frankly couches look good in living rooms they do so for for example our kids aren't allowed to be on tech and to flex so we just we were like hey if you're if you're in a bad position you get one warning if you're bad position the ipad goes away so really like our mm-hmm. kids become little ninjas about that yeah. and that's that's just taught. hey you brush your teeth this is okay. how you hold technology two our kids sit on the floor all the way, or they sit on the couch all the way, like okay. cross-legged. Okay. They don't sit on the couch and dangle, and automatically you see different different mechanisms around that. Mm-hmm. And you know what's great about mobility restrictions with kids is that if kids aren't engaged in play, there are very few restrictions. Mm-hmm. You know, they're barefoot. You know, we we have our kids wear flat shoes. This is a biggie. We just can't we can't stress that enough right. for foot development and, and development. Well, but, can I just interject? Yeah. I think another big thing is like sort of changing your cultural mindset that like certain things need to be done sitting down. Like mm-hmm. we had a mom come up to us and she's like, oh my God, I have been fighting with my kids to sit still while they're doing their homework. And she's uh, like, and we have a counter now and they just stand there and do their homework because that's actually how they feel more comfortable. But she said, she was like, she's like, it's trying to put like a square peg in a round hole. She's like, I've been trying to get them like sit still, do your homework. And she realized that that was just some cultural construct. Right. And so it's a little bit like, like Caroline, our littlest kid, she just doesn't really fit in our dining room chairs that well mm-hmm. so she often will just stand there and eat dinner and I mean you know obviously if we're eating with the queen the <laughs> rules would be different but I mean really. on a day-to-day basis that's actually she's more comfortable she doesn't really fit in an adult-sized chair so she'll just stand there often and have dinner and so I think part of it is just sort of changing your mentality about like what's expected right and like certain things you think oh I have to sit to be doing that mm-hmm. um you don't you know a kid can sit at home and I mean another big thing we do is like 
you know, we walk to and from school. Mm-hmm. I mean, realize yeah. that it doesn't have anything to do with exercise activity but is yeah. underrated. You cannot yeah. just drive to school and then do soccer, you know, three days a week. You yeah. like people are not moving enough, and that goes for yeah. kids, that goes adults, for kids. I mean, you athletes. Yeah, there's so many people activity. who just work. They think they're good because they've worked out one hour a day, but then they sit for all the remaining hours, and that counts as a sedentary lifestyle. Like even if you CrossFit for an hour a day and then sit for the rest of the day, you have a sedentary lifestyle. And people don't like hearing that, but like that's the like scientific and medical fact of it is that you know you're a you have a sedentary lifestyle, yeah. um, and it's the same for kids. So I think I think just paying attention as a family to how much sitting time there is and trying to curb it however you can, whether that's walking to school or you know making sure your kid stands when they're doing their homework or whatever i think there's a lot of little things that can be done no tech in the bedroom there should be no phone in the bedroom no 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 computer in the bedroom no screen in the bedroom just because it wakes you up and it's not Mm -hmm. good and then you know kids react really fast to soft tissue changes and so like our kids are on a steady diet of the couch stretch Mm -hmm. you know their anterior hip it gets short Mm -hmm. and they just we couch stretch a ton and it works really well and then for georgia we we sit watch tv and do the middle splits you know, and the nice. other thing, too, I mean, this is not about standing desks, but I was very influenced by this joke of an article that came out two years ago that was entitled, How Do You Give Your Kids a 1970s Summer? Okay. And um, <laughs> it was this, it's a Drink hilarious, it was a hilarious thing. It was like, go outside, don't come back till it's dark. Thirsty? Yeah drink from the hose you know all that kind of stuff that like we actually did like we would be gone until it was dark and you know I mean I haven't implemented it like to the same extreme but I I have gotten a little stricter like you know if I'm bored go outside right go do something outside go find some neighbor kids go play outside <laughs> we, go outside we read this New York and then Times I'm like art. you're not allowed to come back inside you know <laughs> we read this New York Times article and it was like comparing modern children in terms of how like capable they were and there's a kid in Peru at age three could hunt an animal kill it skin it Cook and it. Like cook it for his tribe. Wow. And from that day forward, we were like, nope, not tying your shoes. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> we figure, were, it yeah, figure it out. I think, I think this is really about skill development, but also just looking at, you know, what is the best environment for that to happen? Mm-hmm. And when you start to get organized around that, it's really, really easy to make small changes. Small and what change. we're talking about is physical practice. Mm-hmm. And I think just the awareness that physical inactivity is horrible for everybody, kids and adults alike, and being conscious of it. I mean, there's still a lot of days where I end up sitting more than six hours, Mm -hmm. but then I'm just, I'm always aware of it now. It's just, it's the same thing. Like when you actually start paying attention to and tracking your nutrition, like you fall off the wagon every so often and eat a whole pizza and some ice cream, but then the next day you're back on it. And it's the same thing. No, you're back off because you have diarrhea. Yeah, it's true, right? (laughs) You're messed up forever. But you know what I mean? It's the same kind of concept except for thinking about, you know, how much non-exercise activity can I be getting in addition to my regular exercise and you know how much am I sitting all the time Juliet and I start walking a 5k every morning Wow. How we're lucky as we have the time. It's yeah, about a little yeah. over a mile of school. We, we loop around, get coffee, loop back. And we're that like, sounds wow. wonderful. We're like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> wow. You know? But, you know, we still, like, we do that, and we're still, like, at our office by 9.15. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're not right. We're not just showing up at <laughs> noon after we take this 5K walk. I mean, you know. <laughs> You're moving on your We're 5K. moving. We're yeah. moving. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's incredible. I think those are some great tips, too, that people can take home and try to use with their own kids. But... Um, I want to conclude with three questions that I ask everyone about health in general. So first, and you can answer together if you want. First one is three things that you guys do on a regular basis that have the biggest overall positive impact on your health. Sleep. Sleep. We prioritize sleep. It's such a big deal. How much do you guys sleep per night? I need to sleep like nine hours. Ideally, Mm -hmm. I usually sleep like eight, but as long as it's eight to nine hours, I'm good. Yeah. So we, yeah, we do, we yeah. try to do eight to nine hours. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Sleep, I think is the hugest thing. Um, and 
I think we, uh, our latest thing has been trying to add in as much non-exercise activity okay. because we're, we're just a, like, it's part of our habit in life to train mm-hmm. like formal training. Right. But I think even we've fallen into a bad trap sometimes of like formal training and then sitting around all the time. So I think that's been another huge thing is really being conscious of like, Hey, it's fine if I train, but what other non-exercise activity am I, am I going to be getting all day? Um, it's a good way to think, think about it. Yeah. I fall into that group. Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's really, you know, yeah. it's like we think, oh, we're so healthy. We're training. Right. But oh, no, it's, it's something else that will really change people's lives. Like, get their phone out of the bedroom. You got to get out of your bedroom. Yeah. You can't look at it before you go to bed. And you can't wake up first thing. Like it's wrecking the quality of your sleep. So we talk a lot about sleep hygiene. Your mm-hmm. room needs to be black. Black. It needs to be cold. You need to drop your core temperature down. It should be quiet. And you cannot have a phone in there. Quit it. We even have a red alarm clock. You know, an old fashioned. Oh, yeah, like Walgreens for like twelve dollars. Like yeah. the ones, the big bells on top. <laughs> Pretty <one>. much. <laughs> you can't see it in the dark. It's totally fine. What time is that? I have no idea. But um, I, I mean, those those things. I think you know, we really, really those things have made a. Yeah, I would say two impact. or three of those are like sleep, sleep, and sleep hygiene, and then just trying to move more, exercise more. Yeah. How about you guys are really good at at all of this? But is there one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you haven't? been able to implement it yet or you're yes. trying to figure out a plan we are working and always talking about trying to get in meditation or breathing practice ah uh, yes and yeah, we suck at that i mean we I do intellectually yeah. we know it would be good for us mm-hmm. and we want to do it and we like even try to block out time and then somehow like that gets lost right. there's so always something that seems more important yes right? well there's a lot of things going on you know some soft tissue helps with the down regulation, but the you know, and we're are exercising, so we're seeing breathing mm-hmm. good stuff. But I, I think um, we've recently been introduced introduced to this guy named Wim Hof, okay, who has a very simple meditation, but it's a mechanical breathing practice, okay, and it is tremendous, very simple, uh, and you know, w- you can do these breathing exercises in like twelve minutes, and and it's one of those things I'm like, I oh, know you don't have twelve minutes, you right. just don't, right? And sometimes it's tricky. You know, drop off the kids, get around. Yeah. But I say that's the one thing that we we struggle to get better at. I'm with you on that one too. <laughs> I, but, I did it for I, a while I, yeah, and right. then dropped fell off, off the wagon. Fell off the yeah. wagon. Yeah, I got it back on with that one. Yeah, yeah I think that, I think that's important. The the but I think it's a mechanical breathing practice. Mm-hmm. I think you you don't have to be you know who we you know right. Zen. You just need to do this thing. Right. And, and as long as you have some structure, something like that, that's 12 minutes. Yeah. You know, you can do it. That's great. Last question. What does a healthy life look like to you? Uh, play. We love to play. Play. I love we that. run. We run through everything through one filter. Run business, friends, mm-hmm. things we do. Are we going to be together as a family plan? Mm-hmm. You know, is, does this get us closer to like taking a trip as a family and mm-hmm. being on the river or boating? You know, we we've just come out of a really difficult, long period of this hard incubation around mm-hmm. entrepreneurship and businesses and growth. And, we f- and our kids are just old enough now. We're like, whoa! Like I just did a big race, big paddle race. I've had time to train for it. Juliet's training for the world championships in September in, in out, Outrigger Canoe. Wow. And, you know, to continue to just get outside. Mm-hmm. Like, we love to ski. We bike. If we're on vacation, this sounds totally nerdy. We're such nerds. Our, like, our dream is, like, we get up and we ski with our kids and we come back and we nap and then we train. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, we're like, two like, a day. We love it. Sounds great. That's yeah, our, like, that's when, we're, when we're on vacation, we don't, like, lay around by the pool. Right. right? We were, we're like, yes, we get to train, and we actually slept <laughs> enough, so we feel really good, you know. But yeah, I mean, for That's me, awesome. I think a lot of it is like, can I like jump on my mountain bike and bike for two hours today? Just even if I haven't mountain biked in six months, or you know, do my, I have time to, you know, like my happy place is like outside in the wilderness, you know. So am I creating time and space to be able to do that? My um, uh, my numbers have 
around the gym have mm-hmm. really just they stopped really mattering a lot more. Mm-hmm. What matters is am I deadlifting yes or no, right? Okay. You know what I mean. So if I, as long as there's something on the bar, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm less less dogmatic about it because I'm not use I'm not I don't have to compete in deadlifting, right. Right? right? So if I show up and like I need to pull today, but Juliet's like, hey, we're doing this pulling in Metcon, like I'm in. Or if I show up and saw my friend Mark Bell, mm-hmm. he's like, we're pulling heavy. I'm like, great, I'm in. As long as so, more important is about that. Am I being consistent in mm-hmm. my movement practice, which is still very heavy in some of those things, right? Are we crossfitting? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, really shifting back to how am I using my fitness? Get outside. Learn yeah. to play new Get sports. Outside. Weird yeah. how that was yeah. the <laughs> fundamental <laughs> piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you, but, you know, you have to bec- you have to put some time in to become skilled and fit. Absolutely. And then it yeah. takes a lot less to become skilled. You don't have to maintain working yeah. so hard. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, this sounds totally like heresy, but I'm 41, almost 42. I'm not going to be the best in the world at CrossFit. So one of the one of the things is how strong do I want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, if I can power clean 315 comfortably and I know I can squat 400 and I can deadlift 500, like I'm actually, for me right now, I'm like strong enough. I'm much more interested in pulling 405 for a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my values have changed a little bit just because I'm just not, not as driven by that. I call it CrossFit for life. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm, I literally I'm jumping on that. You're jumping on that. I'm literally like, excited about it. I do it like <laughs> like we laugh because we have some friends who like they ski and they're like, man, I haven't skied in so long. I'm out of shape. And like we ski and we're like, yeah, we're fine. Like we're not sore <laughs> when we go skiing. And then we actually still want to train after we go skiing. And, and, because and we ski it's 14 because days in a row. We, you know, yeah, it's because we've been training this way. Right. You know, so we're exactly like we're no longer trying to be like, I can do the most pull-ups or I can do this or whatever. And, you know, there's certain things in CrossFit, I'll be honest, like I've given up on. Like I don't care if I ever can do certain things mm-hmm. because I'm just like, that's not, you know, like what I want to spend my time doing is being on my bike or being on rivers or skiing or doing whatever. And so I really use, I, that's why I call it CrossFit for life it's like I really use it as like the basis to be able to do all the other stuff I want to do so that I know I can show up and do any of those things whenever I want and be fit and ready to go and not get crushed and I just did this uh, Molokai crossing which was like a six and a half hour paddle race but I came out unharmed People were like, you didn't train very long for that. And I was like, well, I've only been training really hard for it for like 12 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like really, day, really yeah. hard. But, you know, it was really great to not have to invest massive, massive, massive years to prepare for something because that, that's our base. And I'm so grateful for that experience to be able to do that, not be injured, come out unharmed, and just drop right on the bandwagon. I mean, that's that's yeah. what people understand. Like you just got to put it in. And we're in this age cohort where we're seeing people dissolve around us. Mm. Have some kids, get into your 40s, yeah. be in a profession, and your, your health dissolves. And then the people freak out, and we're like, look, you can't. You just have to be consistent. Right. Wow. Well, you guys are wonderful. <laughs> Incredible, everything that you're doing. Thank was that you 30 s- minutes? That was probably a little more than 30 minutes. <laughs> 44. But, but I enjoyed every minute of it. So thank you guys so much thank for sitting so down much with me. Thank you so much for having us, Julie. Yes, and we'll have to do it again sometime. Anytime. Thank you, Thanks, Doctor. guys. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. You can learn more about Stand Up Kids at standupkids.org. There are a ton of awesome resources, tools, and infographics you can use there at your disposal. To make sure you never miss an episode in the future and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com, and subscribe to my email list. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you know someone who has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge or maybe you have yourself please email me and tell me about it at info at i'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on the podcast in future episodes 
If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes. And I love to continue to hear your feedback, so please leave comments under this post on my website. Also, share your thoughts on social media using hashtag JFHealth with any feedback or questions or ideas for future episodes. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Mm -hmm.